0: And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now or are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, ye, are, not, are, ye not, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith I am of Paul, and another I am of Apollos, you're not, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom you believe, even as the Lord God Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that gives the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every one shall receive his own reward, According to his own labor. In verse 9, for we are, let's read that together, for we are laborers together with God. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry, you are God's building. So we're talking about being laborers together with God. Amen? And so we kind of had some foundational things last week. And uh, we determined that God won't do anything in this world without human agency. He needs us. From the very beginning, we talked about he even had Adam naming the animals. And, and even after that, even after that, when, when the flood came and Noah was on the boat with his, his family, after all of that was over with, Noah was, was designated as the one Amen. To begin to take things forward again. And all throughout the Old Testament we read how God used men and women that were faithful to Him, that were that would hear His voice. They had they didn't have the privilege of having the Holy Ghost, but you know, they just had to know that they were hearing from God. Like Abraham. Hey, Dad, I just heard from I heard something in my mind from somebody called God, and he told me to pack up and leave. And he did. And he said he would make me a father of many nations. And I don't know, Dad, it doesn't make sense, but I I just feel impressed and I feel compelled that i got to do it. And so that's what he did. And so we have what we have today because God used a man, a faithful man, to accomplish his will. We have the blessing of Abraham in our life. Amen. And so he won't do anything without us. If God wanted to, he could win this entire city without our intervention at all. He could just step aside, step right, just sidestep us and just do it himself. But he won't do that. He won't do that. The people on the day of Pentecost, what did he tell them to do? He told them to go and tarry in Jerusalem. Till you're being do with power from on high. They had to go. They had a part to do. They had a role to play. They he they had to fulfill what he was asking them to do. Not understanding, not knowing what it was all about. They had nobody had ever received the Holy Ghost, so nobody knew what it was going to look like, feel like, act like, or anything. They just had to go to that upper room and pray. And God did the rest. And at the, at the end of that chapter in the book of Acts, what does, what does it say that God added to the church daily, such as should be saved, such as were being saved? How were they being saved? The, the church wasn't saving them, but they were directing them and pointing them in the right direction, teaching them and admonishing them and saying, hey, this is what happened to me. I can't explain it, but all I can tell you is if you do this, it's going to happen to you. You're going to have peace that passes all understanding. And so God won't do anything in this world when it comes to His kingdom without us. So that's why Paul wrote this under the anointing of the Holy Ghost that we are His labors together with Him. It's a partnership. It's a partnership. We're not just slaves, although that word servant in the Bible where it's used many times means slave, but we're just not, we're not his slaves. He doesn't just command us and we do. It's, it's a willingness. It's a submission. We, we, you might say that we are love slaves to our Savior. And, And our attitude needs to be, and Paul's attitude was, and many of those in the New Testament church was, I'm willing to do anything, including die for the purpose of the kingdom, if that's what it needs to be. Paul said that in many places. I'm willing to go all the way to Rome. I'm willing to die if necessary to see the gospel preached. How many of us would say that? Nobody wants to die, do they? (laughs) But somebody's got to die. Amen? And so we talked about that word. Laborer a little bit and and it's really a, a helper. It's really that kind of a thing. And, and we I talked a little bit about elsewhere in the Bible where the word labor is used, like when Jesus said, "Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden." And that word labor is different than than the other word labor. That was talking about um, that, that labor to do things on your own, basically. Stop. Stop laboring and, and trying so hard to do things yourself when all you got to do is just let me do it through you. but get in and we talked about getting in that yoke.'re when you're in the yoke you don't have to do anything. just be there. He's in the yoke with us. He will train us. he will teach us he'll lead us. what did he say? Don't think about what you're going to say. when when you have to go before the judges and before people, I'll give you what to say at that moment. Isn't that awesome? You don't have to be a Bible scholar. That doesn't mean you don't have to study the Bible. Now, don't don't misinterpret what I'm saying. (laughs) You know, the old saying, garbage in, garbage out, right? (laughs) So what you, you are what you eat, put it that way. Right? If you feed on the word of God, you're gonna have a lot of if you have a lot of that in you, that's gonna be like your filter. And everything that happens and everything that's said, you're gonna run that and you're not gonna do it consciously, but subconsciously, you're gonna run that through that filter and and decide if what's happening, what's being said, what's going on meets up and matches up with what the word of God says, and you're gonna make that you're gonna use your gifts. Gift of discernment, right? Wait a minute. That doesn't, that doesn't line up with the word. We're not going to do that. That's not of God. Right? And so we are laborers together with God. So what exactly does it mean to be a laborer together with God? We're going to talk about that. One translation says that we are fellow workers. Another calls us God's co-workers. Another, still another, calls us fellow workmen. And still another says that we are joint promoters. I like that one. Joint promoter. We're promoting his kingdom, are we not? We're promoting. We're here on this earth to be his advocates, to not his advocates to be his ambassadors, to be the ones that are promoting his kingdom. We're we're living proof, if you will, that God is real. You, you were talking about all the naysayers and all the spaghetti monster people. <laughs> we're living proof that God is real. You can argue with me all day long if you want to, but you'll never take away the fact that I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues and that my life changed when I came out of that water in Jesus' name. You'll never take that away from me. I've had that experience. And so that's what that's what people are hungry for, and that's why God's got us on this earth. He didn't just save us to sit in a seat, right? We're not on the bus just waiting for the bus to arrive. We're laborers. Look up that word. <laughs> just look up the word "laborers" in the English dictionary. It's—I guarantee you—it's a verb right it's a verb an action word requires action yet another calls us helpers so we're 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 God's helpers we're God's we're God's promoters so if that's the case then is it are we doing say like God I'll help you out here? Is that how it is no we we belong to Him. Doesn't the Bible say that we're not our own? Sister Barb? doesn't it say we're bought with a price? Right? It says that. I'm not asking you, I'm not saying right, because I don't know. just trying to get you to respond. <laughs> okay? Don't mistake what I'm saying. In 1 Corinthians 3.5, it says, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers... By whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. What was it that the Lord gave to every man? Anybody? What was it that he was saying here, that the Holy Ghost was saying, even as the Lord gave to every man? What did he give to every man? He gave every man the ability to be a minister, to bring people to a place of belief. That's all Paul did. That's all Apollos did. They just went there and he already said it. We he planted and Apollos watered. We're just laborers doing what God, God told Paul to go plant. Paul didn't do anything else but plant. And then he sent Apollos and who watered. And who what does the scripture say? God gave the increase. God a- added to the church. That word, that's part of that scripture. Even as the Lord gave to every man in the Amplified, it says, "Even as the Lord appointed to each his task." The Passion Translation says, "Aren't each of us doing the ministry the Lord has assigned to us? Aren't we? I don't know. Are we? Are we? Ask yourself. Am I? Go look at that man in the mirror." And ask yourself, am I doing what God's called me to do? We've got to ask ourselves that. That word minister there, is, it says in the, in the Greek, it means a minister, a servant, a deacon. According to some, it comes from diaconus, and that means in the dust laboring. I love that. In the dust laboring or running through the dust. When when God formed man, what did he form him from? The dust of the ground. Ecclesiastes 3 and 20 says, All go into one place. All are of the dust and all turn to dust again. So we are dust. And being a minister is, according to the Greek... In this scripture, in the dust, laboring. So everybody outside of this building is dust. So when Paul is saying that, he's saying we're supposed to be out laboring in the dust. Laboring among the souls of men. Right? We're supposed to be doing that. That word laborers is, it's in the Greek, it's two words, soon and ergon. And it means to work together with. We're we're to work together with God. Co-workers of God. And so the Holy Ghost, when he... You know, Paul was under the anointing of the Holy Ghost when he wrote these scriptures. And so this is the Holy Ghost. This is God speaking to us directly. This is not just Paul's writings, but this is the Holy Ghost. Paul didn't do anything. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. And what did Jesus Christ say? I don't do anything except my Father tells me to do it. I don't say anything except my father tells me to say it. And so as Paul is following Christ and doing that same thing, it just stands to reason that we need to be listening to the Holy Ghost, listening to what God is saying to us. We just did that on Sunday. Did we not? Faith promise. We talked about it for a week or so before the missionary came, and what did he tell us to do? Listen to the voice of God and God'll tell you how much he's talking to us all the time do you believe that he God's always talking we're just not always listening because if we're it's getting drowned out by other things the cares of this life and and other things that we let come into our life that drown out the sound of God's voice and it's getting louder and And louder and louder in this world. And I don't know about you, but I want to hear God's voice because I just, the the harvest, the last day harvest is going to be so great. And I've heard preachers for years saying this, that no man's going to be able to take credit for it. And there's not going to be a building big enough to hold it. So I want to hear God's voice. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that. Don't you? One writer wrote this, in order to establish the kingdom of God, we must be involved in the Lord Jesus Christ becoming the Lord of the lives of people. In order to establish the kingdom of God, that's what we're here for. He's the king of the kingdom, isn't he? And we're servants and we're subjects in his kingdom, are we not? And what do subjects in a kingdom do? They try to they help the king expand the kingdom. That's what we're here for. In order to establish the kingdom of God, we must be involved in the Lord Jesus Christ becoming the Lord of the lives of people. There's a whole couple of Bible studies on how you do that. We'll get into that. Our pastor, Brother Becker, said this on Sunday. We must fully discharge our responsibilities. I about came out of my seat when he said that. That's right. Yes. You know, that was one of those shout moments. But he said that and I thought, wow, we have to, we are required, we are expected to fully discharge our responsibilities. Is that limited to age? Is that limited to economic status? Is that limited to how long you've been in the church? There is no limitation. God is no respecter of persons. We're all laborers together. If you've been in the church five minutes or 50 years, we're all still laborers together. That's how he sees it. Luke 10, 1 through 3, Jesus is talking about he's sending the 70 out. Right? And after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also. He didn't let them stand around. He didn't let them sit around and talk about it. He sent them out. Two. He sent them two and two before his face. I love this part of the scripture into every city and place, whether he himself would come. I can go, but I'm not going. I'm sending you because I'm not going to be here much longer. So I'm preparing you to go do what I've been doing. What did Jesus do in his ministry? He just, he went, that was his operative word, wasn't it? Went. He went everywhere. He never sat still, did he? He hardly ever slept. He hardly ever stopped for a bite to eat. He was more worried about and concerned about and had compassion for people that, um, somebody else that didn't have enough to eat. He was more concerned about saving the woman from the issue of blood and and the woman that had been accused of being uh, involved in adultery. And, and he was more concerned about the man with the withered hand than he was himself. He's expecting us. Greater things than these, you talked about that. Greater things than these shall ye do. I want to see that. I want to see cancers fall off of people. I haven't seen that yet. I'm right where you are. I want to see that. I want to see somebody be healed right in front of me. I want to see that. And I think we're going to see it. And it's going to blow our minds when God uses a new convert to do it. We're gonna go, wait a minute, he hadn't, he just got the Holy Ghost five minutes ago. God doesn't care. He, he, he just drawn to faith. How much faith is in a new convert? A ton. You know, we, we get in this a while and we just kinda like, you know, just, just settle down. Don't be so crazy, man. People think we're weird. Isn't that what they're supposed to think? Not weird, but. Something something about them people, right? Something about those people. Therefore, he said unto them, the harvest is truly great. That's still resonating today. The harvest was great back then, and it's still great right now. But the laborers are few. Jesus is telling them this. I don't have enough laborers. Pray ye therefore. Is that a command? Is he telling us to pray that right there? Are we praying that? Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. If you you study your Bible and you look up that word send right there, it's the same word that Jesus used to talk about casting out demons. I think it's ekbalo. It's the same word. Where you go in another scripture, Jesus talked about he cast out the demons. If you look it up in the Greek, it's the same word. So he's not just saying just send them. He's saying push them out there like you're casting out demons. Right? Study that. He said, go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. We're supposed to go as lambs, meek. Jesus was never forceful except one time when he when he drove him out of the drove the the buyers and the sellers and all that out of the temple. That was the only time, but other than that he was meek and lowly. The Bible said he was going to be that way. Right? And so that's how we're supposed to go out into this world, shedding abroad the love of God in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The love of God is not forceful. It's not demanding. It's not commanding. It's just Jesus had compassion. He loved the scribes and the Pharisees. He really did. He loved them. Yeah, he called them names, but he said that because he loved them. And he loved people that nobody wanted anything, anything to do with. When blind Bartimaeus was trying to say, hey, Jesus, have mercy on me, they tried to tell him to shut up. 'Cause he was a an outcast, he was a nobody, he was a blind man, just just shut up over there. And do we do that today? Do we look at the outcasts sometimes and in our mind we say they're not worthy? I don't want to talk to that one. But you don't know. <laughs> you don't know. I was thinking about this on the way in to to lacrosse <laughs> There's, I know of, of a, a few, but there's several stories of missionaries and ministers and all kinds of people in our organization that once were, like, heavy on drugs. Crack and the meth and all this kind of stuff, and they're preaching the gospel today. And somebody somewhere had to, to have enough love of God in them to, to bypass all the well-dressed people and go after that one. Or the gang member. Somebody had to have enough love of God in them to go after that one. To love them long enough. Like, like, uh, the missionary was talking five years he had to, took him five years to win that attorney playing chess with him for five years. But you don't know who that, who that person that's on drugs is. You don't know who they know. You don't know who they're connected to. You don't know who that, that homeless person on the street is. You don't know. But if that's who God's telling you to go reach, go do it. You're a laborer. You don't get to have a say. It's not, yeah, but not that one. Yes, we're fellow laborers, but it's his will. It's his plan. It's his idea. It's his kingdom. What did the householder say to those who he found standing around idle? Let's read it. Matthew 20, verse 6 and 7. And about the 11th hour, aren't we in the 11th hour right now? We are. He went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? Wow. What if the Lord's saying that to us today? Are you listening if he's, cause sometimes he, he says nice and wonderful and good things to us, brother Becker, but sometimes he rebukes us when he knows we need it. Cause he even talks about how even a father will chasten his children when they know, when he knows they need it. So won't the Lord chasten us and say, Oh, why are you sitting around? Why aren't you busy about your father's business? And the, and so the householder said in verse 7, they say unto him, because no man hath hired us. Well, i got news for you tonight. You've been hired. That's why Jesus told, you know that's why he told this parable, right? <laughs> it was a parable. Right? And that's why he told the parable. He was trying to send a message. He was trying to, he was using a story to, to, to speak a principle. Your labors. And he saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, ye shall receive. You know what was really interesting about that story? Somebody said, Mm hmm, what? <laughs> Since you said, Mm hmm. Everybody got the same penny at the end, didn't they? Isn't that right? They did. And what the ones that had been out there for nine hours, what did they say? They had a fit. Oh, that guy only worked an hour and you gave him the same amount you gave me and I worked nine hours. What what's the deal here? <clears throat> what did the householder say? Hey, didn't you agree? Uh, uh yeah. Well then take your penny and go on your merry way. So what does that what does that say to us? in god's harvest some of us have been doing this for years and years and years and there's going to be people that are going to come in in the 11th hour and they're going to be soul winners running circles around us i believe that God's going to use people that just have enough faith that just Just like childlike faith, just to believe that God can just make them, help them do anything. And they're going to start going out there and just bringing them in, in groups. They're going to do it. And we're all going to go, oh, dude, slow down. You're making me look bad. (laughs) I've only brought one this year. But that's how God's going to do it. Because in the end, we're all going to be, receive our reward based on the labor that we are involved in Paul and Apollos fulfilled the role that the ministry that they were called of God to perform they were just doing what they were asked to do of the Holy Ghost and this it was only for a particular time and a particular moment it was a totally different story when Paul went to other cities just like Moses used was was told to use his staff and And God does things different with different people. He's not going to use the same method for everybody. Because your personality is different than mine. And your connection to people is different than mine. And he's going to provide opportunities for me that he won't provide for you. But we're all laborers. Amen? And after all, it's his church. We're just, I want to see people saved, don't you? I want to see them standing up here with tears and snot running down their face. I want them to mess up this carpet up here. I do. I want to see packs of cigarettes and bags of dope up here. I want to see it. Purses full of makeup, just laid on the altar. I want to see that. I know that sounds crazy, but I've seen that before. Matter of fact, I was one of those. I was one of those. I wasn't deep in I wasn't like hooked on meth or anything, but I was doing enough bad stuff it didn't matter. But thank God somebody loved me enough to 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 tell me the truth and to show me the gospel and to give me a scripture and feed me this word that I needed to have in my life. And at least I had the chance to make a decision. Amen. And that's all that's all I pray for sometimes. God just Just at least give them a chance to make a decision. Just send me in their life so that at least I can, I can talk to them for a minute and at least they've heard it. So that they have a chance to make a, a, you know, an educated decision, I guess. So they can't say down the road, I didn't know. Right? So the implication is when Paul talks about planting and watering once again and being laborers all those words are verbs all those words are action words and so being a laborer is an is being an active participant in God's kingdom not a passive observer right this is not a spectator sport we can't just get get by with saying well that's for somebody else i'm not very good at that I'm sorry to have to tell you, but the new, the first church, they all went out from house to house breaking bread and having fellowship with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. So what's our excuse? <clears throat> so why did Paul go to Corinth? Why? Why did he go to Corinth? Why was Apollos there? You think Apollos just happened to show up there? Just coincidence, right? No. Paul was he had just talked to the the guys on Mars Hill about their their idol that they were worshipping and and the Holy Ghost just turns him around and he leaves Athens and goes to Corinth. In Acts chapter 18, verse 1 through 12, it says, And after these things, after he had proclaimed the good news on Mars Hill, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found, he found certain Jew named Aquila, born of Pontius, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. He found them. Just coincidentally found them. No, they were there because God put them there. How do we know that? Because that Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. Do You think God had something to do with that? Do you think so? How did Mary and Joseph end up in Jerusalem, in Bethlehem? All the world was being taxed. And God needed them to be in that place. For the birth of Jesus Christ. So he made it just like I believe he's allowed this this whole COVID thing to come on because God's using this to get our attention. Believe what you want. I believe he's using this to get the church's attention. And that's what happened here. Claudius Caesar had commanded all the Jews to depart Rome. What a coincidence, right? Right? And he came unto them, they were and there they were, and because now this is here's another coincidence. And because they he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by occupation they were tent makers. How what a coincidence Aquila's a tent maker and Paul's a tent maker, and they both go to Corinth at the same time. God doesn't do anything by accident, does he? He already knew they were fellow laborers. And because he was a, okay, I already read that. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, teaching and having, he was teaching and having discourse. That's what reasoned means. They were having a discussion. Because they didn't have a church, did they? Did Paul and Apollos have a church? Anywhere? A building? They just got to Corinth. They didn't want anybody yet. They were trying though. Where'd they go? To the synagogue. Was it their synagogue? No. It was the Jews' synagogue, right? And he persuaded. He spoke under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the Jews and the Greeks. What did he persuade them from? I love, I ask myself all these questions. I'm sorry. And what was he trying to persuade them to? We know the answer to that, right? Because they were almost there. The Jews, Paul was one. He was one of them. And so they were almost there, and he was just trying to get them to just, God, open their eyes, let them see just a little further. And when Silas and Timothy were come from Macedonia, here's God sending more help. When God sends you somewhere, will he send you help? He absolutely will. Paul was pressed in the Spirit. He was constrained, constrained and compelled to testify to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. The anointed one. They all all the Jews knew what that meant. The anointed one, the Messiah, that he was the Christ. They were out. Notice notice they were out, actively participating in ministry. They weren't in somewhere. They went out. Out to the synagogue. To wherever the sinners were. There were sinners in the synagogue? Absolutely. What's a sinner? Well, What I've been studying, that word means missing the mark. They were missing the mark. They weren't quite there. And so Paul was trying to get them there. He was doing exactly what Jesus did. He went in there and he loved those scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees. He loved them. He tried every way he could to get them to understand. And, you know, if you read your New Testament, some of them actually did hear what Jesus was saying. Because who was the guy that buried Jesus? He was a Pharisee. Somebody was listening. I guarantee you somebody was listening. And it goes on in verse 6 and says, when they opposed themselves. You're going to run into people like that. They're going to oppose themselves. And they blasphemed. They resisted the message and they slandered Paul for preaching it. If you go out there and preach the gospel as a laborer together with God, is that going to happen? Maybe. 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 Are we willing to endure stuff like that? If you want to say it this way, our forefathers in Pentecost did. They had their tents burned down. They, they got rotten eggs and rotten tomatoes thrown at them, and their kids got beat up in school, and, and on and on and on. Did that stop them? No. They just kept going back out there. Hallelujah. And he shook his raiment. He like sh- like shaking the dust off, right? He shook his raiment, it was a symbol to the Jews, and he knew that was a symbol to the Jews, and he shook off their opposition, he shook off their all their, their nasty words that they were saying about him like water off a duck's back. Okay? He shook it off. And what did he say? He said to them, your blood be upon your own heads. You've made your decision. You've heard the gospel preached. And you're choosing the way that you're choosing. And so what does he say? I am clean. From henceforth, I'm going to go into the Gentiles. I'm going to go find some hungry people. What was Paul saying? I'm sorry, if you're not hungry, I'm I'm done with you. Is that what he was saying? Have you ever had somebody like that where you just it just seems like nothing's getting through? And, and I don't know if I don't know if God wants us to I don't want to say waste our time, but if somebody's not hungry, go find somebody that is hungry. Pray for that one. Don't just write them off, but don't waste your time. If somebody's not listening, they don't, they're not interested. They don't show up for your Bible study. Just go find somebody else that is hungry, because we don't have time this last day we don't have time to waste and crispus i'm sorry and he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house i know brother becker already preached on this a while back named justice who worshiped god and whose house joined hard to the synagogue how did he know to go there paul was the the holy ghost direct him to go there he he said well if these people in the synagogue won't won't listen i'll go knocking doors so he went right next door to the He walked out of the synagogue, went right next door and went, Hey, justice. And what happened? Oh, lo and behold, he found a believer. There's people out there that are hungry, that have been praying, God send somebody to my door. And that happened with you, and Marcus. Send somebody to my door. Send somebody. If we're not listening to God... And he's telling us to go, and we missed that. We missed it. Opportunity's gone. We missed it. I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss that. Hallelujah. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, now check this out. Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. While some in the synagogue were blaspheming, somebody else was listening. I'll never forget. When I was in Okinawa, I was a brand-new babe in the church, and me and this brother went out to the Marine Corps barracks, and we went, we got a Bible study with this Marine in his barracks room with his roommate. So we go in there, and we're sitting down, and we're giving this guy a Bible study, and his roommate's just over there, just ironing his uniform, just minding his own business, right? <laughs> he wasn't minding his own <laughs> He was listening. He was listening. Guess who got the Holy Ghost and got baptized out of that room? Not the guy we were teaching the Bible study to. He wasn't interested. He was just going, uh huh, hmm, yeah, uh uh-huh. But that other guy was listening. So when we went to leave, and, and when we left that room, and this is how it went down. We, we kind of, the other guy I was with in the, used the spirit of discernment and he said, okay, this guy's not. He's not listening. So we just closed our Bibles and said, okay, we're done. Thanks for your time. And as we're walking out the door, that guy come out the door. And he said, I was listening. I'm interested. I want more. Wow. (laughs) Just when you think that God, you know, Paul, God sent Paul to that synagogue to preach to a bunch of people that didn't want to have nothing to do with this message. But somebody in there was listening. Crispus. Not just Christmas, but he went and told his whole household, right? And all Paul was doing was being a fellow laborer. And then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision: "Be not afraid, but speak, and not and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and I, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. You believe that? There's much people. If God could talk to us right now, that's what He'd tell us. There's much people in this city. I believe that. I believe there's much people in Sparta. There's much people. We just haven't, we haven't connected to them yet. But we're not going to either. (laughs) If we don't go out there. And he continued there a year and six months. Did Paul know he was going to stay there a year and six months when he got there? He had no idea. He had no idea. He was like Abraham. I don't know. I'm just I'm just going to Corinth because that's where God told me to go. I don't know what's going to happen when I get there, but I'll just go where the Holy Ghost leads me. And that's how people started churches back in the day. God just called them to a city. They had no money. They had nothing. They just went and they just went in their living room and started praying, and boom. Next thing you know just like that preacher at minister's conference talking about had a, his first church that he started or the church that he started in arkansas was in somebody else's living room not even his own it was this living room of this little old lady who happened to be a regular at this restaurant went there every one day every week for the same thing and so she goes to the restaurant and all the staff knows her. Hey, Millie, how you doing? Yeah. What, what you been up to? Oh, we had church in my house last night. You should come. <laughs> and so the, the, the hostess said, okay, I'll come. And the hostess went and she got the Holy Ghost. And the next, next time they went to the restaurant, the, she, they said, how you doing? What, what's been up? Well, we had church in my house and so and so over there came and she got the Holy Ghost. You should come. Long story short, she ended up winning everybody in the restaurant. And did that preacher know that 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 was going to happen? No way. He was just concerned about that one little old lady and winning her in her own living room. And just it just blew up, right? So you never know. We've got to be listening to God. And he continued there three a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. And when Galio was the deputy of Achaia, the Jews made an insurrection with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat. Stuff's going to happen when you preach the gospel. And i got news for you. This is just me. But I, I think it's going to happen more and more and more as, as the day approaches to the coming of the Lord. Look at the environment that's around us in our cities right now. Are we going to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ? That's scripture. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it's the power of God. It's not me doing it. It's God doing it. What exactly does it mean to be a laborer together with God? Getting ready to finish up. Perfect. So, Matthew 6.33, well, we'll read 6.31 through 33. says, Therefore, take no thought. Saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Right? Is that how we think? Oh man, I got to go to Walmart and get me some more clothes. Man, my, my shoes are wearing out. I got to go get me some more shoes. I only got 40 pair, and I, I still need another pair. Right? And Jesus is talking here. He said, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Don't seek after those things. For your heavenly Father, why? Because your heavenly Father knoweth what you have need of. He knows you have need of all these things. He's not going to leave you destitute. He's not going to leave the righteous forsaken nor seed begging bread, is he? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The Amplified says, therefore, do not worry or be anxious, perpetually uneasy, distracted, saying, what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what are we going to wear? For the pagan Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, but do not worry, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them. But first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God, And all these things will be added unto you. So seeking after his kingdom means a whole lot more than you think it means on the surface. It's an active... Well, let's just see what it means. Particularly to seek after, to find, to strive to find. Generally without any direct object. Seek and ye shall find. Followed... uh, Let's see... To seek God means to turn to him, to strive humbly and sincerely to follow and obey him. I want to please you, God. I want to know what your kingdom's all about. Show me your glory. Show me what you want me to do. I want to know. I'm not going to stop asking, ask, seek, and knock, the Bible says, right? Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking until you get the answer. He'll answer you. You want to know about something in the book? He'll answer you. He'll tell you what it's about. If he knows you're sincere and you're seeking after it, he'll tell you. Where do you want me to go, God? Who do you want me to talk to? Help me to hear your voice so that when you tell me to stop and turn into this driveway, I do it. And I'm on my way to work. And I'm going to be late for work if I do that. I don't know if he'd make you late for work, but... If if the, if the moment is more important than the work, God's going to stop you. I believe. So what is the kingdom of God that we're supposed to be seeking? The Bible says that it's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Don't you want that for somebody else? I do. I I remember what it's like to have no peace. I remember what it's like to not have the joy of the the Holy Ghost. I remember what it was like to not have God's righteousness covered with God's righteousness. I remember that. And I don't ever want to forget where I came from, from the, the ditch that I was pulled out of. So as a laborer in the kingdom of Jesus Christ or of God, our purpose is to seek and to fulfill The desire and will of the king, is it not? Don't we want to please him? I want to be pleasing in his sight. You know, I love that scripture. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, oh God. Let the words that I say to people be more than just, hey, how you doing? How's the weather? We've got, man, we have got like Better than the lottery going here. We have got what they want. They just don't know. Some of them don't know they want it. This is not something like everything else out there that's going to be like sand and slip through their fingers. This is going to be something that's going to stick. Although we are labors together with God, it is all about Him. It's all about His kingdom. So we got to be kingdom minded. It's not about self, is it? What did Paul say? I die daily. What did he mean by that? I die to myself daily. Even Jesus had to pray that prayer because he had to die to his self. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Whatever we have to do to be a part of what he is doing, that is our supreme choice. and It should be our supreme pursuit. Right? Amen? Amen. Let's all stand. Father, we love you today. We thank you, Father, for making us to be labors together with you. And, Lord, if we're not doing it the way we're supposed to be doing it, we pray, God, that you would begin to speak to us, that you would begin to lead us, and that you would rebuke us or whatever it is that you got to do, God, to get me in your will, to get me in your plan, that I would get into the groove where you're going, God, and that I would follow in your steps. Because the Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I want you to order my steps, Father.